0: This is your host, Tim Paladino reminding you to please like and subscribe. And if you really dig what we're doing, please leave a review wherever possible.
1: Um, To be perfectly honest, I would say the majority of them come from either A, traumatic experiences mm. that we've had, whether it was, you know, some type of assault or being fired out of the blue from a job we've had for 10 years or um, just something that was really traumatic or and a lot of these come from when we were young. A lot of them were, mm-hmm. are, are programmed into us by the, by the time we, you know, turn seven or eight. Aaron file from the
0: mind fix group is another dear friend and someone who's helped me navigate through some of my own demons. We talk about the removal of internal barriers and the roadblocks that might be preventing entrepreneurs like you from being okay with increasing their Ehan score the shame, the guilt, everything that might be stopping you from actually putting your foot forward and increasing that score. This is another opportunity to take the time and join our community and experience the Ehon course for free. See the links in the show notes. I know you're going to relate to so much of what we talk about, so let's get rocking. My name is Tim Palladino and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Needs podcast. Well, hello, Aaron. How are you today? I am fine. I like you drinking a glass of water. I
1: was like, wait, no, not yet. Let me drink my water. I'm actually, I'm doing great, and I'll be even greater after I take this one sip. One sip.
0: Great. Go for it.
1: Now I'm officially great. Let's do this.
0: Welcome back. Um, Aaron has been uh, a good friend of mine and has helped me through some mental junk uh, in the past, and and I'm forever grateful for that stuff, and I. I still brag about you to my new friends, so I thank you uh, for all that. If I haven't thanked you enough in the past, um, so yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to uh, to Ehan.
1: Thank you for having me. Been, um, it's Great to be here.
0: <laughs> you now you were you were part of like the initial assessments, right back in back in Utah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Europe, yeah, you did that mm-hmm. too.
1: Cool, cool. I, I wasn't so, yeah, in Utah, been, but I you but you had given you. me the. Uh, I wasn't in Utah, but you had given me one of the assessments prior, and I remember going through the whole thing. Oh. And I was actually at home on my computer, like by myself, going through it. I I remember it was like a year ago now. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was around New Year's. Yeah, Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, you're you're very familiar with what this is, and you're like one of the perfect fits. And you know, kind of kind of as I was building this out, it was the work that you do uh, really helped me with my, my confidence level that there are practitioners out there that are on the same mission on, on, uh, just allowing us to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of defrag, right. Erase the old stories, come up with them. The more current, the more current version of what the truth is. Um, so yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at mind
1: Sure. Absolutely. So At the MindFix group, we specialize in working with leaders and entrepreneurs and high achievers, Mm -hmm. and we help them identify and then eliminate the biggest uh, mental and internal roadblocks and barriers that are keeping them from being able to achieve what it is they want to achieve, uh, experience the success and happiness they want to experience. Um, Our whole take is that uh, people can experience far more in life if they focus uh, first on subtraction mm-hmm. instead of addition. if we go in and clear out the roadblocks and the things that are holding you back you 're going to be able to move forward with flow and momentum and you 're not having to deal with friction and resistance so we uh, people come to us typically when they 're just feeling stuck mm. when they feel like they're they're the the ones that are holding themselves back and there's nothing tactical, or there's there's nothing. They don't need more knowledge. They don't need more coaching. They know what to do, but they're not doing it. So our our clients are often um, dealing with challenges like perfectionism, procrastination, difficulty setting boundaries, inability to say no, imposter syndrome, um, uh, you know, quick to anger, fear of failure, fear of success. Just all these things that. They read about and they they want to change, but these are these sticky internal things that just are so difficult to change on uh, your own. So they come to us. We figure out why they're experiencing it. And then we clear it out for them, kind of like a surgeon, like pulling out a big splinter mm-hmm. or something like that. And then we send them on their way. So our work's rapid; it's usually done in a few months, um, and it's most often permanent as well.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. so the 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 work that we've done, it wasn't it wasn't as much as I'm sure some of your clients, but it was it was definitely impactful, and I still hold on to it today. And I, it's still, uh. it's still like there was a, there was the vampire analogy where. What Like the, how I actually feel when I say, am I a vampire? And if you're listening to this, this is going to sound a little bit crazy. Um, but the, the, the task was to say that I'm a vampire and realize that I know it's not true in my heart and and I don't get any feeling from it. And, and then use that, um, use that same method and use that same, that same, emotional barometer when I say other things to myself or out loud to measure against. If I know something's not true, it's really, really fascinating work. And I, and I am so happy it exists. So happy you exist. So one, one real quick question when you were talking about procrastination and uh, perfectionism. So I was a, I'm a recovering perfectionist and, um, and mm-hmm. I want, do you see any link between the two?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's, it's, it's so common for people who are struggling with perfectionism to also show up with procrastination tendencies, Mm -hmm. because oftentimes when there's a drive to be perfect, and someone just has this need to do everything perfectly, it puts so much pressure On them, That sometimes it's easier to just not get started. It's easier to just avoid doing things altogether than to face the potential or perceived consequences of not doing something perfectly. Because a lot of times it's in our head. People are like, you know, I'll be rejected if I'm not perfect, or I'll get fired if I'm not perfect. I'll lose clients if I'm not perfect. And so that is so scary and so um, traumatizing sometimes that a lot of perfectionists uh, end up you know, surfing the web or going on Facebook or working out or doing something that looks productive just to avoid starting, doing the thing that they feel this intense desire that they have to be perfect with.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that kind of resonates with me because it was, as I said, a recovering uh, perfectionist and it was, and I'm, I'm very highly driven and there were some things that I just couldn't get start. I couldn't start doing. And it was, I think I got caught up in the, the how, and if I couldn't get to a certain level in my, my foreshadowing with the how I would I would get, get locked up and and that would that would yes. yeah that would ruin a lot of a lot of productivity
1: what what we find is that oftentimes um, not always mm-hmm. but oftentimes with people who are dealing with perfectionism when we kind of pop the hood and we look underneath and we see what's going on. A lot of times there's programs Ooh. running in the background or like a main program that's, that says something or that's kind of an inner voice that's always whispering, there's a right way to do things. There's a right way to do things. Right. There's a right way to do things or there's a, correct, there's a correct way to do things as if there is one right way yeah. to answer an email or one right way to do a project. And there's so much pressure to do things right or correct instead of you know, in a way that works that puts even more pressure on. Mm. And that, that, that grip, that grip, that voice that says there's a correct way to do it, there's a right way to do it, it makes, the, it, makes it far more likely that uh, you're going to fail if you're thinking that there's a right way to do things. Yeah. So when you can break that apart and, and not have a death grip on there's a right way to do things and realize there's typically a million ways to do things that work. It, it's really freeing
0: yeah yeah and yeah there's there's also like an inherent trust like after you after you get over it a couple of times then you have and i've talked about this in an earlier episode you you gain this this new level of self-esteem with yourself um because you've proven and sometimes it doesn't always always stick you know we need to keep on keep on trucking but that self-esteem by proving yourself i guess wrong in a sense right that you can, and it's okay. And everything's going to be okay. If you misspell a word uh, or if you are potentially hasty, but most of the time you're going to be awesome, you know, because you moved forward. Um, Yeah. So that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Now, where, where do a lot of these demons come? These little sneaky, these sneaky mind demons.
1: Um, to be perfectly honest, I would say the majority of them come from either a traumatic experiences Mm. that we've had, whether it was, you know, some type of assault or being fired out of the blue from a job we've had for 10 years or um, just something that was really traumatic or, and a lot of these come from when we were young. A lot of them Mm -hmm. were, are are programmed into us by the, by the time we, you know, turn seven or eight and they are picked up by us as little kids, because we're always watching how our parents or our caretakers go through the world because we are biologically programmed to, to be to watch and learn from our parents. That's how we survive. And so we listen to Mm -hmm. what they say. We watch what they model. We, um, pay attention to uh, what they're scared of and how they do things. And we kind of pick up what they do and we lock those things in as rules that become programs in our subconscious that end up running the rest of our lives. And even when we're older and we learn that some of the things we picked up when we were young don't serve us or aren't actually correct, it's near impossible sometimes to really um, turn off those tapes that are running and we spend a lot of our time and existence as adults trying to fight against these rules and programs and beliefs that we picked up when we were younger so we have plenty of clients who come to us and they're like I'm an entrepreneur I want to make a lot of money I want to scale my business the thing is I grew up in a household where I was told and my parents mm-hmm. always said that money is the root of all evil right that rich people are greedy that if you make a lot of money it means you're selfish now i know that's not true because i can give away to charity Mm -hmm. and i can use my money for good and i'm going to support my my family but it's like it's still there so even when we consciously as adults learn things and want to choose to believe something different than what we picked up in childhood those programs get locked in there something fierce it's very difficult to break break them apart And so a lot of energy goes into trying to fight those programs and those tapes that are playing, Um, you know, no, 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 no. I know money's not, not evil. I, I can, I can increase our revenue this quarter and it's, it can be exhausting.
0: Yeah, it really can. And you know, that kind of goes back to, again, what we worked out um, was I had a, a belief um, or programming based on when I was super, super young because I didn't have the, I think, I think it was, I didn't have the empathetic part of my brain built yet. I think that's what we kind of, kind of came up with. And, and since then I've been able to kind of, in a sense, forgive myself for a lot of thoughts and kind of remove myself from the thoughts, like kind of in a mentally, uh, you know, I go through the process where it's physical, right. I go kinetic where I'm, I'm thinking about what the problem is and I remove it in my mind as if I was re- removing it with my hands and say, Hey, you know, you're of no use. And this is why you had that. And then I, I because a lot of, a lot of um, the um, the echoing issues that I've had was that I, I got hard on myself because I was having issues. So now you have bravado and pride yeah. and all these things. You're not fixing the issues because you're, better than the issue or whatever language you're using in your head. So it was really, really helpful to just have certain uh, new language and new perspectives to, to, to approach yourself with, Mm -hmm. which was, yeah, which is really, really great. And, um, and yet, and and another thing about traumatic, like I, I, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I don't think, I think, I think there might be a um, misconception on traumatic where it's not like horrible things that happened to you. It could be something small, but your body received them as such as large. And that's not your fault.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's absolutely huge. That's some of our biggest breakthroughs that we've had um, at MindFix in the last half year is we are starting to understand how the disconnection from childhood traumas, um, mm-hmm causes an insane amount of pain in childhood we think back to our childhood and we think back to oh yeah that happened to us no big deal it's no big deal when a lot of things happen to you when you're an adult when you're in your full power you're a choice your full your brain is developed you have reasoning and analytical and logical brain you know a mental skills you've got a fully developed body you can reach the doorknob you're tall you have a car you've got mm-hmm. a phone you have friends you have you can call 911 When you're a child, when you're a child and something happens to you, you are completely powerless and helpless. You do not have the choice to run away. You you can't escape a lot of situations. You don't have a phone. You can't call for help. You You can't fight someone off. You can't choose to simply stand up and walk out of the room. A lot of the situations that happen to us are in relation to our parents or our caretakers, or people who are bigger than us, and it's traumatic when your survival depends on someone else and you think they're withdrawing love, or your survival depends on someone else, and they say, you can't eat this food. You don't have the ability to go, you know what? I'm going to the grocery store you are powerless and you don't know when you might get food again or when you might get hit again. You don't know if when they walk out the door, if they'll ever come back and if they don't come back, you're not okay. So a lot of these little things that where you go, I was just sent to my room. I was just spanked with a paddle, like no big deal. I suck it up again to an adult, no big deal. But when you're a child and you are completely powerless and your survival depends on someone else, those things are traumatizing. And it doesn't have to be a trauma to actually be experienced as a trauma. You might be in the mall with your, with your mom. And suddenly there's a big, huge group of people that separate you and your mom mm. and you're a little kid and you're discombobulated and you're lost and you feel like you're, you're gone for like, feels like an hour. You don't know where mom is. You don't recognize anybody. Oh. You don't know where you are. You have nothing, you know, and the whole time mom might be over there going, Oh, oh I, I see her. Yeah. You know, I see her over there. So you're safe the whole time, but your whole entire system goes into fight, flight, freeze, red alert, alarm system, cortisol, adrenaline, Mm -hmm. pumping, I'm going to die, I'm not safe. So that right there, even though you're entirely safe, could absolutely be experienced as a traumatic experience that gets locked into your system. So it doesn't have to be, I was raped, I was assaulted, I was beaten till I was bloody. Like, yes, those are horrible traumas, but- Ish, instances when we're young where we experience a threat or a perceived threat yeah. to our survival can really have an impact on us as well
0: yeah and that's and i think you know branching off of that i think it's important to honor ourselves and investigate yeah. if some things are feeling a little off just investigate you don't you don't know where it comes from or what it is um i, I mean a lot of us um i don't even know what the term is but we basically uh hide behind a firewall in a sense, and our brains were like, I didn't, I didn't think I had any issues just because I was so used to running um, uh, a safety net. I would just go and go and go. And I would still be feeling these things, but it became so normal that the consistency of it made me feel like, oh, this is just how I feel. This is how everybody feels. So I normalized these, these internal cringy motion emotions. Um, and I never really got it checked until I was lucky enough to, to wake up just a little bit, just a little bit, just to see what's going on. Um, so that that's really important. So if you haven't done that already and you have, you have those feelings and you've got you know, something's just not right. Do something to investigate. Yeah. Honor yourself. Um. So when it, when it comes to, when it comes to traumatic, the traumatic versus the, the childhood programming, actually hold on. So how, how different are they? I guess, would they, could they be considered the same, or are they pretty separate as far sure. as treatment?
1: Oh, they can It's just that's oftentimes where we pick up a lot of our programs and our beliefs as we go throughout our um, or over time. After sure. lots of repetition, it, it our brains are programmed not to be able to change easily because if they did, we'd never make it through the day. We'd be yeah. we'd be wildly confused. If I looked out the window right now and I see a car drive by, and then I'm like, oh, dude all cars are red because I I just saw a red car. And then like, wait, actually all cars are blue. I saw a blue car. If, if every time we saw something, we, we made different inter conclusions. Yeah. We would be wildly confused. And so we need to have these conclusions locked in pretty tight. So it takes a ton of repetition, you know, same person every time I see them punches me in the face. Okay, well, you know. What? Okay, I, <laughs> yeah. I conclude after after repetition that they're, they're you know a mean person yeah. or a person that hurts me when I'm around. So um, so through repetition or and the reason why trauma can teach us things or have an impact is there's so much emotion and there's so much memory stored from wow. traumatic experiences that it doesn't take repetition. So it can take mass repetition. It can take a trauma and a lot of things that are, uh, a lot of things are formed in our childhood as well. So I was just kind of sharing where we pick up a lot of these programs that are running in the background of our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's an, it's an, it's important to understand the the difference and where it kind of comes from. Um, and that you're not alone, I think is one of the other big, the big, uh, pillars of, of, Understanding this because I, I, I'm going to go back for a second because it, it scared the hell out of me to even talk about it because I got emotional immediately when we started talking about what we were what we were talking about and um I just remember feeling so alone beforehand like the prospect of talking about it and then being so relieved and understanding no no, no I'm not alone at all like this is this is this is who we are and then yeah then just being kind of like flooded with gratitude because that the opportunity to do something about it, and then you know, as it goes, you're like, "Oh, I want to tell the world. <laughs> Everybody needs to know we can be fixed. We're not broken, but we can be repaired." You know,
1: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: that's great. Um, yeah. So when when what is it? How long does a um, a typical? I'm trying to think of what what. So what would you call it when when you you do like an onboarding with a client? and you're working through um, whatever it is that they're working through, what, what does that process look like? How long do they normally last? I'm sure there is no normal, um, but yeah. Well, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, we have four different levels of programs. Okay. Each one's a little bit longer, a little more intense involved, and we do deeper levels of clearing and work um, at each progressive level. An average program, though, um, if I we had to kind of split it down the middle, is around three months in length. Okay. Um, and we work with our clients maybe one to two, maybe two hours a week. Um, there's no homework or any work for them to do in between because everything we do is subtraction. We're not right. training. We're not teaching. We're not giving assignments. We're not saying, now go home and meditate for two hours a day. Everything is come in and we're going to pull out the splinters. Yeah. And then we're going to send you back out into the world and see how it feels. The only assignment we have people do when they work with us outside of showing up to their sessions is uh, tracking the changes that they experience and the shifts that are occurring. Because if you don't look for them, you can literally have the exact change that you want and not notice it, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting phenomenon. You know, when when things start subtracting and things start going away, we oftentimes don't notice it unless we're paying attention. We, someone may... Um, you know, have a, a deep fear of sales calls, for example. I'm really nervous when I have to go and sell our product. Yeah. But if we subtract the fear, if we subtract the anxiety around speaking on the phone and then someone gets on the phone the next day and then they just cruise through their call, hang up, and then they go and get a burrito. There's nothing noticeable about it. It just yeah. feels like normal. You just, mm-hmm. You're just going through your day. So unless you're paying attention, because we're not adding things, because there's not fireworks and explosions, you can literally have the change and the transformation that you're dreaming of, but you won't even notice it because it just feels normal and calm, which is a really yeah. interesting phenomenon. That's why we have to ask our clients to, to track things and in, um, in between their their sessions to make sure that they're actually noticing they're getting exactly what they want. Um, yeah. So the programs last about three months, a couple hours a week tracking their changes. Well, as a kind of a, cool. the quick summary of an average program. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm guessing tracked with pad and pen or pen and paper.
1: Um, tr- yeah, we give them a, a document where they get to oh, cool. uh, just keep bullet points of like, what did you notice today that was different than last week? What are you noticing? Uh, focus on the changes that you're looking to experience, whatever they are, because you get to determine those when you mm-hmm. come into the program and pay attention to them. And what's different is your, you know, is there a decrease in anxiety? Are you actually doing work that you were procrastinating on before? Were you able to send an email out without proofreading it and get over your perfectionism? Mm-hmm. Did you go three days without snapping at your kids? Whatever it is, pay attention and share with us how things are shifting and changing so that we, we know what to do in your next session. Cool.
0: That's very cool. So do you also have, um, are you still doing live, live, uh, events? Is that coming back? Yeah, then we those are. Have been very powerful. We are.
1: We. Mm-hmm.
0: When yeah, when we you're, do them once a call? quarter right now. Oh, very cool.
1: End of That's... July, yeah, end of July.
0: Cool. Um, yeah. Also in the show notes, maybe we'll throw up your calendar, well, uh, so people can know about that cool. as well. Very cool. Anything else you want to share about the process, or just what people maybe maybe some misconceptions of what how people see stuff like this?
1: Yeah, I think. There's two main misconceptions that I that are so important for me to share. Uh, a lot of times uh, people think that change, true change and transformation has to be a challenge and has to take a long time. And we're used to old school therapy models or coaching programs where there's an incentive for coaches to kind of keep you going month after month after month or, you know, in therapy, they make money by making you come back. And, and those are the old way of doing things. And what I want people to know is I, I really want to plant seeds of hope and share that change can actually happen very quickly. And it can, it can, it doesn't have to be difficult. Um, true transformation happens just like like that. Mm-hmm. And we see it every day day. We're, we're seeing people who have been struggling with challenges for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and it's gone in a month or two with, you know, an hour or two of work a week. It doesn't have to be a struggle and it doesn't have to be hard when you work at things through subtraction. Whereas most models and most coaching programs and most therapy is really trying to help, um, through addition and through coping with challenges. You know, you have a problem, here's how to cope with your problem. It's like, why don't we just get rid of the problem? So there's nothing left to cope with. And so when you work with that kind of model, that's subtractive, you don't have to deal with the self-esteem issues anymore. You don't have to deal with procrastination anymore. The perfectionism, there's nothing there to manage. It's just gone. And it's no longer a part of you. And I really want, um, I don't want, people to feel hopeless anymore or frustrated, or most importantly, broken. Cause that's probably the main descriptor that people share when they mm-hmm. show up is I feel broken. Cause nothing works for me. And it's like, no wonder you've been doing a lot of these old school additive approaches. Of course they don't work. It's it's, yeah. you're just trying to maintain and cover over an open wound. Like, why don't we actually pull the issue out at the root? So it goes away for you. Then it will work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an that's an important um uh delineation that you're not broken. And that's yeah, yeah. that's where shame that's comes really... in. And that's that's what we hide behind. Yes. And it, it really we yes. shouldn't we shouldn't be ashamed, especially when it comes to our mental health or fitness. Um yeah, that's something that I'm hoping kind of goes away soon. And I think I think it is. I think we're on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we're having conversations yeah. like this and people care about this. Um, Yes. So the over the over the pandemic, I'm sure things got wobbly for a lot of people. So the two two questions I have is, um, did you notice any trends or anything like that over the pandemic of something something happening happening new uh, for your clients or with your clients? And uh, I guess I can ask the next question after that because it's a little bit a little bit separate.
1: Yeah. Um, two things. People just experienced extreme panic and anxiety. Even Mm -hmm. people who hadn't in the past, it just brought it out. Um, myself included. And then most importantly, things, things are great when they're going great, but it's like all the demons and everything start coming out and getting triggered when things get tough. So people who had been doing really well, things were going well. It's like a lot of the Cracks started to show. Mm-hmm. I think when things started to get tough, pressure and old, yeah, absolutely. And and that I just saw it everywhere. It was it was a very stressful time for so many people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah. And that's where I noticed it was. It kind of it snuck up on me, right? Because in the beginning of it, we were having our group our group calls and everything, and I was playing like the protector in my mind, where I was making sure everybody else was cool. And then after a couple months, I was like, oh, I'm not cool. I'm panicking. And it like, it took me a minute to really like come to terms with it. And, you know, put my tuck, my ego away for a second and be like, okay, I need to ask for some love. I need some, some uh, perspective and and someone to chat with just to, just to be real with it. Right. To I, because that separation of, I know logically it's not accurate, like whatever it is that I'm thinking and all this, Mm -hmm. the Debbie downer stuff, but I need to, I need to see where it's coming from. So yeah, that happened. That hit me hard too. hit me hard too. And there's actually, it's funny too, because it wasn't just one wave, you know, it wasn't like just one thing. And then I got over it. It was multiple waves. And I would say probably four months ago was the the last wave that I've experienced. There might be another one coming. Who knows? But there is, um, but that was the last time I recognized. All right. I have to, I have to, I have to be honest with myself. What's happening why are you sleeping like this? Why are you eating like this? Why are you not paying attention and honoring your body and your mind the way you know, you should, it's time to ask some questions and and put yourself in front of people for accountability. So that was, yeah, it was, it was scary, but we got through it. We got through it for sure. Um, So on, on that note, are are there any um, prescribed coping mechanisms? I was talking to a friend the other day about coping mechanisms like where do they come from, how to properly use them? Are there any that you would, you would suggest?
1: Well, I guess my whole business is founded upon the whole premise that like, Let's not cope with our challenges let's get rid of them so I try <laughs> not to so I try not to perfect... provide I try to <laughs> try not to provide coping mechanisms that being said not everybody bandits. can do our program yeah. <laughs> not That's everybody great. can do our program um, and so honestly um, it this is gonna sound really trite one of the most healthy things in a, in a, that people can do is, is have a proper meditation practice as like the more you don't like it, the more you need it, the more you think you don't have time for it, the more you need it. Um, the more you think that you're supposed to have a calm and Zen mind when you're meditating, the more you're not actually Mm -hmm. understanding what meditation is. And it's just like being able to have, um, and manage control over your attention and where your attention goes is absolutely critical for mental health. And if you can't manage your attention and you can't catch yourself Um, kind of spiraling, it makes life a lot more difficult. So while I don't typically prescribe uh, or recommend coping with your Mm -hmm. challenges and kind of crutching along, and I do recommend getting rid of them. I also do recommend meditation as a, as a beautiful, brilliant, important uh, daily practice.
0: Yeah. And I think meditation has that, that odd connotation that trauma does where there's such a uh, perception to what it actually is versus what it, yeah, what it really is. Uh, yeah, the actual versus perceived or, or stark contrasts of each other. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's great. That is great. Um, any, any final thoughts to leave folks with for before mm. we head off?
1: No, I, I, I think I appreciate just the opportunity to have shared like my two main points mm. earlier, the big ones that I want to leave people with is that change doesn't have to be hard and change doesn't have to be difficult. And that if you work at eliminating your challenges at the root level, they really can be subtracted and go, they can go away. Like instead Mm -hmm. of you having to, to cope with them the rest of, of your life. And, um, for anybody who feels broken, it's just, you've been attacking your challenges in in the wrong way and from the wrong angle. And and there is hope. I really do want to leave people with the, the possibility that, um, there are other humans just like you who have cleared yeah. their problems and gotten rid of their challenges in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you're probably one of them because that's the community I'm building. <laughs> you know, that's this is the we're the community of not being ashamed of who we are. We're and uh, taking care of it together. There's no need to be alone. There's no need mm-hmm. to be scared.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Aaron, much love. I thank you so much. Um, your all your information will be in the show notes. People please 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 check out what aaron is working on it is it blew me away it totally totally blew me away um yeah much love thank you so much talk soon thank
1: you